Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to anything I can. Well, do, to it play my again. do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh, oh we're back. We're back. St. Manchester United fans. Pat Nevin. They're back. Yeah, yeah I think they are. <laughs> They're quite back. Um, no, I think he's, uh, I didn't think there was much doubt they were going to win that game if they played anywhere close to even quite good. Um, Newcastle, I think, have, uh, I think they've sunk a little bit recently, uh, whereas United are on this fantastic run at the moment. Um, and it just looks, it looks good. I mean, I have to say, in comparison to, say, where Man City were and where Liverpool, you know, a couple of years ago, I don't think they're there. No. No, they're not there. But there, there certainly is noticeable improvement. And, I mean, trustworthiness. <laughs> you can actually trust mm. them that they'll go out and be structured and organised and play as a unit and play as a team. Um, so it's great news for uh, my United fans. I mean, it's watching the celebrations after a game, I mean, they were loving every second of it as if they'd won the Champions League. But that was sorry, that was my thought. I mean, when I give it the old we're back, I'm pretty much just parroting my Twitter timeline. Where there was this just this explosion, all these Manchester United fans uh, everywhere I looked. And uh, I, you took the words out of my mouth. It was, I mean, if they'd won the Champions League, they won't go much more overboard. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's what jumps out to you. And I suppose you are where you are. And where they were was somewhere that wasn't winning trophies and wasn't really looking like winning trophies. Yeah. Um, but it looks as if they can be competitive now. Um, and certainly, I, I, look, they can win the league and there's a possibility they can win the, win the league. But it, I think it takes others to play, you know, to muck it up still. Um, but, you know, they're in there. They're in the discussion. Uh, they're in the fight for it. And if you can keep this run going, you just never know. I I think it's unlikely. I don't know if they've got... They've not, in fact, they've not got as good a squad as you know, some of the other teams, particularly Manchester City, but, you know, it doesn't always work that way. So, yeah. no, well done them to get it together. What well, seems pretty quickly. It is quite quickly under, you know, really since... It feels like since the turn of the year or just before that, they've really turned it around and structured and organised. And it does help when you get somebody like Rashford scoring goals and looking confident and... Do you, do, you, do you look at his body shape and the physicality of him and the way he walks? It's amazing. It's like a different human being. It's a totally different human being. And, you know, you, you, have, you often hear in sport people going, he's got his shoulders back, he's confident, etc. But you look at that guy. I'm, I want to superimpose a picture of him from about a year ago yeah. on another one just to see if he's actually the same shape, shape that guy. So he's, he's a big part of it, but he's not the only part of it. No, no. But it is true in Rashford. I mean, the defining image of him last season was shoulders slumped, not chasing back Manchester United at sixes and sevens. Almost either he had checked out or he felt it's such a rabble and such a mess. I can't even motivate myself to chase back. Or maybe there was something something else going on, physical or, or otherwise. But as you said, if, if body language is indicative of anything, and funny enough, I'm, I can remember, you know, playing in teams, and I've just looked around, and when I look around, I think, you're not doing it, mate. Yeah. And you just don't care enough. You're not working hard enough, and I'm looking stupid, uh, or I'm looking bad because I'm always wanting the ball, 
And if you lose the ball and there's three people around you and your mates aren't helping you, you're the one that looks bad, even though you're the one that's being brave. And I, I kind of felt there was a bit of that about. He was thinking, I'm beginning to make, be made to look bad here. And the more you show, sometimes the more grief you get. Because yeah. fans, quite often, oh, he's giving the ball away. And, and I, quite often I'm saying, yeah, he three players around him, nobody helping him, nobody running, nobody hurting themselves to get in. And it's no way the player's fault that he gave the ball away. Yet, a lot of people go, oh, he gave the ball away. And then you'll look up the stats and say, oh, he lost possession X amount of times. And you're thinking... Yeah, it's because he wanted the ball. That's because yeah. he was brave enough to go and get the ball. It's all that sort of stuff, which never, ever, 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 ever shows up in the stats. But that's the thing that's absolutely brilliant about a player like that, that when you can come through that, then come out the other end and think, right, okay, I've got a bunch of people around me that are doing it now. I've yes. got a structure around me that are doing it now. That makes a difference. Totally. I, I, I always thought his performances were almost... Um you know, evidence of how that kind of poison at the heart of the club had metastasized. And he was just like, oh, well, look, what is, you know, they're, they're, this is Lord of the Flies stuff. Nobody's in charge here. We're just uh, a rabble. Uh, and so that does bring us to Ten Hag. And, <laughs> I mean, it, it is an extraordinary job. And you think about the defeat at Brentford and where he was and what a rabble it was. You think about the decisions over Maguire and the way he manoeuvred Ronaldo out of the club, I think increasingly we can say with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, he has, and, and uh, Ferguson has said very little in his in his time away, but he was over here a couple of, uh, during the summertime at Punchestown, maybe the goods of a year ago, a big horse racing meet here, and somebody stuck a microphone under him. And it's rare to get him to say anything. But, you know, they were asked about the horses and so he engaged a touch. And then there was the one, what needs to happen at Man United? And, you know, very Ferguson-esque, he said, someone needs to get control of it. And I couldn't think of a more apt description of what Ten Hag has done. Yeah. And some, with footballers, you think because they're famous and because they're wealthy and because everybody knows them, that they all are unbelievably complicated people. <laughs> and they're not. And if you can quite simply, you know, find out what what is their motivation, and it, it may not be a complicated one, maybe a quite simple one. And if you can get them to like you, as well as respect you, again, sounds easy, not always easy, but sometimes some of the things that uh, Ten Hag did, you know, that when he went for a run with them after they brought them in for a run, but he ran too, you know, as if to say, like, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take my part of it. I love the fact that he did that. I love that his attitude was. Okay, we are part of the same group here. I'm going to show you. And how much bravery do you need to run a bit older with all those guys? Because you can, you can look foolish. You can look really, really foolish. Or else they could turn around and think, actually, he's probably got our backs, that guy. He's actually, you know, he's only saying it not because he wants to, you know, push himself forward. It's because we're all together. And tiny wee things like that, and I don't know all the things that he's done, but it's clear that as a group, and it, it kind of must help. Casemiro's been interesting, you know, and he's come in there, controlled it, and getting the rights. Sometimes it only takes one or two personalities that are absolutely the right personalities. I remember lots of times in various things in my career, you've got a bunch of guys, right? So you've got 15, 20 people, right? But there's always two or three alpha males. And it'll be alpha females when it's in the women's game. Right? But two or three, see if their attitude stinks, as in 
it's selfish, it's not involving the team, the thing doesn't work. Nothing works. Because the rest can't always club together because of alpha males and they just impress their personalities on it. And, you know, I always had a problem with Pogba and I always, you know, Ronaldo had a problem with that because I just thought, don't like your alpha male status because it seems to be self-indulgent. When the alpha male status is somebody like Casemiro or whoever, who is, by the way, I'm, I'm a team worker and you all come into it, the whole thing just changes. I mean, really early in my career, I was at Chelsea, there was one guy that all the fans hated and he was the most important player on the team mm. by miles. Mm. The most important because he was the, he was... It was everything that should be done right was done right via him. And if it was wrong, he would be on your back. And then the fans would boo him every week because he always did the simple thing. But the ethic was that guy. And they got rid of him. And I'm like, oh, you've just killed the team. <laughs> and no fan could give us stuff. Yeah. So one person or two people, even if they're not important, if they are the core person to the ethic, and I think they've got the right people that have got the ethic running right. Yeah, a lot of stars have aligned here so there was no doubt there was no doubt that Ed Woodward played a significant huge hugely significant uh, role in in the previous decade Richard Richard Arnold was appointed in December of 21 got going at the start of 22 uh, that has definitely marked an improvement in how things were done uh, in the transfer market and even with the appointment of Ten Hag I was reading that so P- Pochettino was interested in the job. Ten Hag was interested in the job. Uh, Richard Arnold and Darren Fletcher sat in on his, and it was more than one interview, but one of his key interviews, where by all accounts, it's emerged Ten Hag tore the club apart and, and criticised this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. This is all wrong. And uh, I think it speaks of maybe an improvement in, in the management at Manchester United, whatever about the owners, but that Arnold and Darren Fletcher listened to what he had to say about football and about structure and said, this guy's going to be a pain in our backside, but he could just be right. Um, I would change one part of that. I think Darren Fletcher says, thank God. Hmm. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to Darren a bit and he gives you nothing. Right? You can't say it out loud, right? But I know what he's like. And absolutely... I would be feeling exactly what he felt all the way through it. Okay. And I think he was desperate for somebody to come in and say those words. Desperate. So he would have felt them. But someone's come in who say those words and say, oh, thank God we've got someone who's going to walk in and do that. Because mm. Darren would know what, you know, Fergie would know that, what they would do, right? So, and that kind of, that kind of Gallic thing that we've got, you know, don't take the BS, right? Saw that, right? And... No, and I'm 100% convinced that Darren would have heard that and it would have been music, sweet, sweet music to his ears. So it wouldn't have been, a, oh, that's a bit of a shock. It would have been, oh, yes, yeah. thank you. I'm good for that. Yeah, they were desperate for it. Oh, yeah, and and and, and not a shock either to, to Dar- uh, Darren, I would think. It would have been a, thanks, somebody said it. <laughs> okay, absolutely would think that. And, and I'm... I can't give away confidences, but I believe so comfortably that Darren would feel that. Right? Yes, okay, <laughs> really okay, okay. We're all smart I listeners. Think, we can, we can, we can figure out what you're saying. <laughs> so I, I think, I think Man United fans are delighted that they've got Ten Hag, but they're also delighted to get somebody like Darren there, yeah, who had influence, and they listened to him, which was a great thing. 
Yeah, and, and maybe that's the, the big improvement and, and maybe a certain momentum will take hold now where they, they think, oh, actually, listening to people like Fletcher, you know, taking paying heed to uh, things we may not love to hear from manager, maybe that's the route to go. How do you think, like Ten Hag, the, uh, it's like it's social media gold, so of course Manchester United put out uh, him and Ferguson hugging and there was the shot of Ferguson and Ten Hag having dinner a couple of nights ago. I think he's managed that whole aspect quite well, though. Like he's very steely. He doesn't. He doesn't. Doesn't feel like he's playing a game. Uh, it also doesn't feel like he's overawed by the history of the club. For instance, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer not parking in Ferguson's spot. I, that, that's somebody too looking at the past. That's Man United DNA. That's how we've done things. I don't feel like Ten Hag is uh, feels cowed by Ferguson's presence. Respectful, but not cowed. Yeah, um, to be honest, you can't be too cowed by it. It's difficult when you're too close. You have to be one removed. Um, and going back to Moyes, wouldn't have been cowed by it, but have had a respect for it because of Scottishness and other people are the same. But, but with Moyes, do you know what Moyes, sorry, I, I, and, and the other point, like 10 years have passed. With Moyes, in, in hindsight, it's too recent. All those players have played for Ferguson versus now yeah. how many have played for Ferguson. Like, you know, people said, our oh, next man in is doomed. I mean, maybe next man in really was doomed regardless. Yeah, because... They're looking at. It's not necessarily what he does. It's how he's looked at from within the group. It's tough. It's a really tough when you you come. You're up against one of the greatest, if not the greatest, manager ever. So yeah, I absolutely get that. But you, you, you must come in. But there's a, there's a level, you know. I mean, the famous story which every real football fan knows about Cluffy and then Leeds United. You know, mm. I mean, you can't go too far. You have to understand where to walk. And you will upset people if you, you know, step on too much of the history. Yeah. But you can't tiptoe around it too much. Just nod, respect, right? Okay, it's the future, because there's uh, there's not that many people around that, you know, that will say, oh, you're stepping on the future if it wasn't a a great future, or b if they'd produced a great past, they want the future to be good as well because they're the right type of person yeah. to do it. So, no, I think he's he's kind of he's walked it well so far, but it's at the beginning. Is that you know, it's one of those things where you feel as if you're kind of sitting on the fence slightly by not getting carried away, but you shouldn't. It's like you asked me last week, well, that's Liverpool back, and I went, um, huh. no, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Huh. You can't get carried away with one or two games because you can see the inherent weaknesses. Yeah. The problem is, not the problem is, the good thing is the inherent weaknesses that where they are all being eradicated at Manchester United, that one by one by one. And you just get the feeling they could be even stronger next season because they will have had time to cap with a, a time to have a look around and say, right, this is what I need now. And you'll have you'll have three or four ideas, and who knows how much money they will have? But they will have some money, mm. uh, and they'll have plenty of money probably by the summer time. And if that's the case, it's pretty exciting times for my United fans. Yeah. So generally, he's throwing at a four-two-three-one. Um. It doesn't jump off the page ever as if like it's massively sophisticated. It's like it's it's good, but I mean it's just when the four two three one used to be Pogba going for a wander and and other players not working hard, that was just a rabble. It it seems like he's just put together uh, very competent. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but very competent plan, and everyone has to stick to it. Therefore, it's good because they've good players. Or is it far more sophisticated than uh, I'm seeing? No, I don't think it is. Particularly, I mean, just right players and right spaces. Um, and that's, you know, sounds easy, yeah, but it's not, you know, and 
he's, he has adapted it. Let's be fair, he has adapted it a few times, hasn't he? You know, and like and Vekos, you know, played a lot bit deeper. Then he was further up, and yeah. then he was off the pitch. <laughs> you know, so it, you know, sometimes you, you just have to be able to be willing to adapt slightly to it. And everybody wants to make big, big adaptations to things when things are not going quite right. If you know the game enough, you know where the tweak is needed. You know, and the tweak's been needed down and again. The tweak's mostly to the personnel. You look at Bruno now, he's different, different animal now. You know, back to maybe not scoring exactly the way he was before, but he looks like a team player. He looks like, you know, a creative player. He looks like he's playing in areas that he wants to be playing in all the time. And again, yeah. that kind of goes back to Casemiro because, you know, quite a lot of the time he's covering areas so well. So it's amazing when you get that 4-2-3 one and sometimes one of the two at the back, at the base there. It's not that you don't look behind you, but you don't worry half as much. Yeah. You don't go and think, well, can I go now? You just go. <laughs> just You move because you think, I oh, know, he's fine. He'll spot it. And he's one of the ones that will always, always, always spot it. Um, so that that makes a big difference. I mean, that makes a huge difference to them. And I think, again, could be one of the core members of the squad that does that. But you know, just get the best out of those players, you know. You compare it to everyone who, how, I know how poor Marcus Ratchford was. Mm. He was poor. Mm. And I said to you before, at the time, a year and a half ago down at Palace, I think he's ill. I think, I think there's something wrong with that guy. And it didn't seem to change, but it was, I think it was, he wasn't ill. It wasn't any necessarily mental thing. He was just fed up with that lot not working. Yeah. And um, he's back. On Casemiro, I, I, I think a, a lot of people overlooked his brilliance at Madrid. We would talk about Kroos and Modric and Casemiro, but he was very much the third name mentioned. And uh, the phrase Steady Eddie was used about him when he arrived by someone as uh, astute as Graeme Souness. Um, He's blown everyone away. Um, yeah, there are some players, and let's be honest about it, we watch a lot of football. I go and watch a lot of football. But you can't watch every game. <laughs> Millions of games on everywhere. So you don't really know certain players. And and it just happens. And the amount of people in careers that you, you come play with them and you go, oh my God, I didn't know you were that good. Right. I played against you loads, but I didn't know. And there's a load of players like that. And it's, it's the nicest thing when someone plays with you and says, oh, I knew you were good, but I didn't know you were that good because I play you. <laughs> it's, a, it's, the best, it's one of the best feelings in football. And there are players like that that come across and you go, oh, right, I get, I get that now. And he's certainly one of them. I have to say, always quite like Thiago Silva. And then I watched him every week and thought, oh, my God, I didn't yeah. know you were that brilliant. <laughs> and it's just that thing. And Casemiro, absolutely, because you're watching Modric and you're kind of wowed by him. Um but, you know, yeah, he's absolutely the one that allows you to do that. And he's a good player in his own right in every way. Um, I don't know, did you watch the Liverpool? Just to go off for a second. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the Liverpool um, Real Madrid game? And I sure did. Modric is a joke, right? Yeah. It's just a disgrace. But is it Kamavinga, the yeah, centre midfield behind him? He's outrageous. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, my God. Yeah. At that age, to be doing what he's... He was staggeringly brilliant absolutely staggeringly brilliant and I know everyone's talking about moderation and rightly so and other players that caught the eye but he just jumped out at me I just yeah. thought he was but even uh, it's funny even last year when he came off the bench a couple of times mm-hmm. he caught the eye I mean he he is the real real deal yeah. and he's only a kid yeah. he's only a kid and he's one of those ones where you watch European football and you wait for the next stars to come through and he's 
he's next 10, 12 years going to be one of the yeah. great players in football. Anyway, that's going away for United. No, 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 it's fine. But it, so it, The point is they've it, got cover for Casemiro. <laughs> OK, yes. But it is interesting, that point of underappreciated footballers if you're not watching them week in, week out. And, and Casemiro absolutely was somebody I underappreciated. Um, do you know it's funny? It's like I have a, a Manchester United leaning uh, from childhood and it, you, you can never fully get it out, you know. Show me the boy and I'll show you the man, as the Jesuit would say. So it's there. And I think uh, with both the arrival of Ten Hag and his start and then the arrival of somebody like Casemiro, I think I, like United fan, like a lot of United fans, thought Ten Hag, here we go, another average appointment by a club not in their job. And for Casemiro, read uh, Schweinsteiger. You know, okay, here we go. Yeah. Big name. Ouch. <laughs> Big name. He's done it. You know, he's supposedly a great player, but arrived at Old Trafford, was 30 and was just so average. And that, well, Casemiro, they're going to overpay for yet another. And so uh, <laughs> it's been a pleasant surprise, I would think, for Manchester United fans. I mean, we've, we've all seen it. You know, players at the end of their career. Some of them, they'd love to be as good as they were, but they aren't. Um, but you just get them at the wrong time. Um, and that, and But there's one or two over the years you've, You've looked at it and you think, wow. I mean, funnily, I remember Balak, Balak coming over. Yeah. And it, was, it was okay, but and really good, but, but not the Balak they'd been before. Yeah. Uh, but now and again, you can get somebody who's just, no, you've, that's exceptional, and he can keep it going. I mean, I, think, I suppose Modric is one of the best examples ever. You think, oh, he's last few years he's moving over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. He just gets better and better and better. So you never quite know. But it is that joy. I, mean, I love that joy of watching a player who you you didn't know before and it is a great thing playing with him as well I'm sure I've talked to you before and the listeners will know about my sort of love of uh, playing with Norman Whiteside and thinking he was quite good before I played with him and then played with him we thought oh wow hmm. <laughs> just wow hmm. you know no, nobody could get the ball never gave a ball away all that sort of stuff so there are there's lots of players like that but it's not that you don't know the game because you don't see it it's just because you can't be inside the heads of every single team. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, what a great surprise when your team gets yeah, one of them, isn't it? Yeah, I can it? imagine. Uh, Niall Quinn, in his autobiography, tells a great <laughs> Norman Whiteside story where they're out for a few drinks and this is, uh, when Quinn's at Sunderland, if not quite retired, and uh, they bring some of, some of the academy youngsters are, are there as well. And so it's Quinn and Whiteside and a few of those lads. And... Uh, one of them very politely turns to Whiteside and says, did you play yourself? And, you know, Quinn is like, oh, my God, this is this is scandalous. And uh, Whiteside says, uh, who was the second youngest player to represent his country at the World Cup? And the kid's like, oh, my God, you. And he goes, no, Pele, I was number one, which is uh, <laughs> a good line. <laughs> and of course, with Norman, it would be said with fun. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be with no arrogance at all. It would just be a mickey take. Um, the thing is, we had, older players should understand that. It happens all the time with players after, because you've had your time. I mean, unless you're one of the greatest players ever, you've had your time, you move on and you just smile. I, I had a, a media guy that listened to me to a commentary. And no one used to know Pat Brown. He was really impressed with the commentary. And he goes, that's a shame, Pat. never played with any clubs. <laughs> and I was working with Five Live, mm. the BBC. And it's like, the guy had worked. And he was just like, it's a shame, Pat, didn't he play? Because he'd be a great commentator. You know, he'd, we could get him really going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, yeah. yeah. Just got to. Yeah. But you, do, but you don't take it personally. It's funny. 
because team moves on. Mm. It's somebody else's turn now. And, um, you know, that's certainly how I'm going to remember that Norman story. That's, that's to add to my list of Norman stories. That I've right. Um, on So Manchester United in a very good place. On Newcastle, I was uh, listening to a couple of uh, Newcastle correspondents who followed them closely and their sense of the last number of weeks is that Almiron has waned and now whether he's reverted to the mean or whether he'll recapture the brilliant form in the early part of the season remains to be seen but he's waned and so the Trippier Bruno Almiron axis isn't quite working Dan Byrne on the other side is not an attacking left back Callum Wilson has no form and they look a touch tired was what I had heard from those watching them week in week out I'd add on to that the San Maximan who was unstoppable when he was at his best is unrecognisable now in comparison to what the player he'd been. Mm. I think his injuries has caused that. I don't think it's anything else. Um, so, yeah, Almiron's weird. He's, <clears throat> he looks as if the confidence is just somebody's got a big hypodermic needle and put it in his arm, taking all the confidence out. It's really, really strange. And does he strike you as like James Beattie? He had the, the time of his life, but now he, he, he wasn't quite that level. Uh... That's no, a bit harsh. It's a bit harsh on James no, Beattie. I didn't mean to do that. No, no, no. Another very famous story about James Beattie. Somebody said, allegedly, someone said, uh, "I think you've lost your hunger for the game." You know, and he went, "Yeah, I think you're right." <laughs> no way to go with that. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if that's apocryphal or not. Uh, the manager that told me. <laughs> hmm. So, um, and I don't think Almiron's like that. I, I think there's more. I, I think the action is always pretty good. Okay. It's just sometimes that there are players who are creative that you go through good spells and go through bad spells. I think he has had really dull spells before, but you'll notice the Newcastle fans don't get too fed up with him because they know that it'll kind of work, you know, and it may not be happening, but he'll put it in. Wilson, it's just the goals. But if you look through the team, they had overperformed. Yes. As a group, mass, gigantically overperformed. I think the team's returning to the mean. I think that's the point. It's not the individual players. Like that's where that team is. That team, if they're if they're eighth, ninth, tenth, you think that's a decent season with that group of players. Mm. I hope that doesn't sound offensive, because they've overperformed, which is in, in many ways, and I'm seeing positive things about your team because you're overperforming. They they will add and they will slowly but sure they're doing it the slowly but surely way, and they'll they'll slowly but surely add over the next two, three, four years, and that's a good way to do it. Um, but expecting them, you could, they could, Newcastle fans could hope that they would, um, you know, get top four this season. But expect that was that's that's a bit much. That's really mm. a bit much. I was got to though because I was in London for the Spurs Chelsea game, and of course you went down, and the place is just black and white, completely black and white. And the amount of Newcastle fans that were travelling from everywhere. I was coming down from Edinburgh on Saturday, and the whole plane was just from Edinburgh, full of. Newcastle fans, it was wild. They were coming from everywhere. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I, think I probably talked to about 20 at different parts of the journey down and back. And I, and I come across one who had a ticket for the game. Wow. <laughs> it's mental. Yeah, I heard they were hen's teeth. We're going to take a very short break. I do want to talk to you about Spurs Chelsea, amongst other things. Our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky. Pat Nevin staying with us back in just a moment. 
OTBGAA. Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod. Where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way. Hurling pod versus football pod. Will, you're a coward. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports You're very welcome back Pat Nevin is still with us You mentioned you're at Spurs, Chelsea 2-0 win for Spurs, talk to us Um, I wasn't surprised (laughs) I have to say The sad thing for Chelsea fans is I don't think Spurs were particularly good They were alright They were just well organised, structured As you say Five back line, four in front of them, Harry up front, and then just break when you can. Um, it wasn't complicated. It didn't even budge too much. They worked really hard. I mean, they really did a Conti-like side, and they worked really, really hard. They've done a, they've done a number in Chelsea's players. Chelsea, Jao Felix, we need to call him Felix now. Jao Felix, um, he looked uh, exciting, keen to get on the ball, but they did this really interesting technical thing to stop him because he had four in the midfield and five at the back obviously the gap he wants to go and play in and he's good at it because he always takes the ball in the half turn as well he gets head up he's a good player yeah so who's going to mark him when he does that one of the centre halves walked out every time yeah every time and it was bang 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 and the, he, he, he still worked hard and he looked for it and he had good little moments in the game but they knew what the problem was and the, and the way that he killed it was, OK, you're probably too good for skipping the middle there. So we'll just give you a hand as soon as the ball comes to you. Centre-back comes out. It's really unusual. A lot of them, I'm loving the fact that managers are doing these different things now. Mm. You know, what Pep does that thing where <laughs> you've got four in the back and then he gets his left back to be a midfielder. You know, Bernardo Silva. So you've actually got an extra midfielder and then you lose the ball and it doesn't matter. Someone sits back. So they're all doing this now. I've, that's the first time I've seen it where the deep middle centre-back comes straight into the middle and adds it in a defensive area. It was really quite it's quite impressive, actually. It's just not an, a normal thing to see. Mm. But they knew where the danger was and they stopped it because yes. of that. Um, and did, so you that say, was, did you say they had three centre-halves, five at the back? Yeah. OK, so they can yeah. sacrifice that one to go in and it's not the end of the world. If, so they've got three centre-backs, yeah. one left-back, right-back. And they were left-backs. They weren't wing-backs. They were left-backs and right-backs okay. for the vast majority of the game. And then they just allowed one of them to come out. It's really, see when you see something that's unusual that you don't see very often, Yeah, it kind of jumps out, especially if it works. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I mean, if we were sitting here and, and you were at the stadium, if Chelsea had somehow done a number and beaten Spurs 1-0, Spurs fans walking home with him saying, and five at the back, like, what is this? It's so negative. Well, and that's it. That's why you have to be have overviews all the time. And it's back to that one where if, if this Cancelo used to come in from right back to play in the midfield, right? So that's the most obvious modern one that we know because yeah. he plays so far up, you know, w- when he was at Man City and came out of that area and then they've got three at the back but they've got an extra man who's a midfielder come attacker. Except they did that in the Champions League final against Chelsea and they lost because of it, mm-hmm. although it was Zinchenko who made that move. So it's like these things, they, they won't always work. You need to know when to use them and if they're not using, change it and change it quick. Uh, it was difficult for Conte to change it quick because he wasn't there, <laughs> still at home. Mm. But it was working a dream and the Chelsea were getting nowhere. And as the game went, wore, wore on and wore on, it, it didn't. I didn't think at any point 
Chelsea were going to, even though they had at one point they had 65% possession for a period of time, didn't think they were going to break through. So, Some of, the, some of this, okay, you've <clears> been given a, a difficult, and I appreciate managers with uh, far fewer resources would scoff, but Potter's been given a, a difficult, pic, difficult uh, scenario picture to sort out. That said, some of this is starting to be, rest on his head, no? Yeah, no, it does. He's a manager. That's it. He's a manager. Mm. He's the coach. It rests on your head, full stop, right? But I, but, but I mean fairly. Fairly now, as opposed to, oh, yeah. that's a bit unfair. I think he, he, he should have found a bit more by now, no? I'd have thought so. I'd have expected so. And I think he would have. And I think with the players that are there, he should have. Um, so he's the fact that he hasn't yet is definitely concerning for Chelsea. The fact that, as I keep on saying, they're bravely sticking by him. And they don't seem to be budging at all under massive pressure. I mean, this is in the last 20 years since the Roman era, as you would call it. Um, there's only one season they've had they've been even close to being as as low down the table at this at this point. They were actually two points lower, would you believe, mm. under Mourinho mm. before they sacked Mourinho. So it's really weird and unusual for Chelsea to accept this. Um, but it is that one if they do believe it in this process that they've got, and this whole holistic thing of let's build this and it might take two or three years. If they believe in it, then you've got to stick by it. The, the problem is, it's not looking as if it's changing. And then you're looking at and watching the game there and I'm thinking to myself, right, most managers now would think you're getting nothing out of Reese James. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No crosses. What's Reese James famous for? He's brilliant at crosses. But you've, you've got a a winger ahead of him or a white player ahead of him in Ziyech who doesn't enter he never interlinks right if you don't interlink if I'm I played an entire career in that position I need to interlink with that guy because I need to drag people I need to pull people I need to develop space I need to do all that he doesn't do it <laughs> he just gets the ball goes turns on his left and tries to put one in the back post yeah. that's it Yeah. nothing else right so that's it so everybody knows he's going to do that so you double you double on him and that's you. You've blocked the right side. So that's half of your team or a third of your possibilities gone. Yeah. Right? Then you go over the other side and you've got Ben Chilwell and he's not going to cross in either. Now in front of him, to be fair, Mudrick wasn't in great form beforehand. Sterling started a wee bit and looked a wee bit lively the first 10, 15 minutes. But then every time he got the ball, he did that thing, which I'm sure I've explained before, but <laughs> if you're a white player and you get a ball and the first thing you do is you stop you're beaten you're simply beaten because if you stop and then think about it and go right what will I do A getting up momentum quickly enough in the modern game with two players on you it's not going to happen and B you're easy hit mm. and you'll get hit and you won't get a yellow card if your first movement's turn and move and go you'll get hit but it looks worse and you'll get a yellow card mm. you're free right so the game went on. Sterling then does exactly the same thing as Ziyech. He starts getting the ball, stopping, then coming backwards. You're dead in both ends. Yeah. So you, you've stopped. Your two biggest strengths are killed by the people in front of them. So you, you have to do something about that. Now, that might be go back to a back three and two wing backs and let those, those two lads go and fly. Mm. And they'll fling the balls in the middle. And you'll get people coming in the end of it. You, it'll happen. They, they, they've done it before and they would do it again. But the fact that he's not done that or not yeah, changed that, yeah. that kind of concerns a few people. I yes, because that's, I mean, look, obviously Tuchel went with that straight away, but when you have full-backs like that, I mean, to have them blocked up 
feels uh, like a, a really strange decision. I guess they've been injured for a long time, but they're back now, so maybe try it out. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, I mean, the thing is, you can actually, it doesn't need to be a back five. You can play a back four and you can free them one at a time, right? That's plenty yeah. of you know, watching Coleman do it with a back four sometimes. We have for years he's done it, right? Yeah. But you need the guy in front of them to work with them. Okay. Um, and when I watch that and thinking, actually, you've just blocked yourself completely. And Spurs are giving it a little yeah. tag here because we yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> and then ball and goes it, into Felix, he gets smashed. Suddenly that's all three channels gone. That, yeah, exactly. So you've nothing else. You can't play the ball long to have it because he doesn't hold the ball up because he's not a centre forward. So you can see where all the problems are, why you're not creating anything. Right now, do something about it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> There's no, nothing happening. Yeah, well, that's a great explanation. Let's see what he does in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Back five, certainty. Got to be. Okay. <laughs> Back three, got to be. Okay. I mean, if you don't do that, it's a nightmare. It's just not acceptable. Well, you're going to have to because if that game had been at Stamford Bridge, he would have been hearing all about it, you suspect, at the full-time whistle. Yeah. Arsenal were very good value for their 1-0 win. Man City took their chances, more than took their chances again. And so the, the two leading horses uh, jumped this weekend's uh, fence very, very easily. I did <laughs> I did have a moment, and look, I know he has slowed down and it was more prolific at the start of the season, so th- there is that issue. But I did have a moment when Haaland scored and the commentator was saying, that's Premier League goal number 27 of the season for Haaland. I was thinking, oh my God. <laughs> Even though we're saying it's like not, not going well at the moment, he's going to score 40 Premier League goals. Uh, it's utterly bizarre. <laughs> but I mean, going to see him, I went to see the, I was at the Forest game, we say. He hardly kicked the ball. Yeah, <laughs> he, just, no. he hardly got a touch. And the simple thing is people keep on saying, well, they're not playing into me. He's making the runs, and he is making the runs. But he's dragging people out of the way. And if if I'm playing as one of three behind him, I'm somebody like him, I want him running in the areas. And he's taking two and three players with him all the time, every time. So there's just big, gigantic gaps. He could actually be one of the best players in the team and not kick the ball. Do you because, think he's okay with that, by the way? Because I, I have looked at him and I thought... Well, he now admittedly he scored at the weekend, so he feels better. But on the days he doesn't score, and on the days he also doesn't kick the ball in the opposition box, I've looked at him walking off a pitch and thought to myself, "Is he going to stand for this?" Like, yeah, he'd be furious. He'd be fu- of course he'd be furious because he'll know that there've been times when the ball's been on. Remember, um, do you know Foden get left out for a while? Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about it, but when he got left out, I was thinking, for the first time in his career, good, absolutely good. Because he wasn't making the right choices, and uh, quite a few times Haaland in particular was on, and he was going for the glory stuff when he should have been going for the simple stuff and putting Haaland in. Um, and then he got dropped, and it's as if Pep just looks at it and thinks, "Right, you got to do the right thing." You, well, that it doesn't matter. That, that, that's very interesting because uh, many of us look at Pep and look at the lack of service to Haaland and put it at Pep's door. Uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that all the time, though. No. Sometimes, yeah, because it's overplayed, but usually not. It's hard to develop spaces when teams are particularly uh, defending really deep against you. But there's quite a few things. When you work and work and work and work and do 40 minutes work and then the opportunity comes and the pass is on and then you don't play the right pass because you're going for the the 40% chance of a goal as opposed to the 80 when you pass it, Pep cannot cope with that. He cannot cope with it. You know, and he knows that. He played that. He, 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 he was a brilliant footballer. His vision was fantastic. It wasn't quick. It wasn't anything like that. But he knew the right ball. And he always knew the right ball. And you, somebody like De Bruyne, 
you know, always plays the right ball. And it's, you know, it's almost ingrained in him. You couldn't imagine him if it was a 90% chance he'd go and 100 for him. He'll give it to the 100 every time. He just will do it every time. Foden wasn't doing that. Pep couldn't cope with it. And I honestly think Pep's got a thing. He never says it. He never says it. But when players do that, they get dropped. Yeah. If they don't learn, they get sold. Yes. Non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, people always talk about the, you know, a player argues with the coach or that sort of stuff. I don't think that's Pep's thing. Pep's thing is, you're for the team. So that takes you back to your Haaland comment, which is, he keeps on doing the right things. Pep will just say, can't. Fine, 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 fine. We won. You didn't get a goal. You didn't get a touch, but we won. It's fine. You dragged everybody away. It's fine. He'll be more angry at the fact that he should have had three touches and all three touches would have been goals had the right balls been played. Mm. Um, and that's. I think he's comfortable with that. And I also think players playing behind a guy like that is brilliant because yeah, yeah. you've always got space. It's just Because he just drags everybody away. No, I get that. I get that. I'm just curious when Pep's saying, that's fine. You moved players around and created space. That's fine. I wonder if Haaland's thinking, it's not bloody fine. I'm not here to move people around. I want to score. So, I mean, we'll see. Maybe I think he'll be fine if he ends up with 30-odd goals in the season. Yeah. Uh, they might win the Champions League. They might win the Premier League. Where you, he can go anywhere in the world, obviously. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I, who knows? You need to know the personality. Yeah. Watching him, though, he's chasing and he's, he never seems to chuck it. I just get a feeling he's right. For the yes. No, I, I think you're right. Again, back to that body language point. He's not running reluctantly, uh, which is indicative of something. Uh, just before you go, Everton. So I think it's going to be this kind of situation. Deitch comes in, makes a real impact. People think, oh, they're going to be OK because Deitch is there. But he's working with what he's working with. They're beaten 2-0 at home to Aston Villa. And then your friend, David Moyes. Uh, the, the simple narrative here is going terribly too defensive Moisey gets rid of the back fight loosen the handbrake Moisey and look what happens we score four goals against Nottingham Forest and it can work it can work like that because um, players love it if a man just says right okay then go for it isn't this just brilliant <laughs> just, the vast majority of players just oh, th- oh cheers thanks we should have said that to me earlier or <laughs> us earlier yeah. A you get a boost of confidence and B you think oh thank goodness for that um, again it's happened every player's had it in his career I got a very specific one happened playing for Scotland against Germany, and they, they kept the handbrake on, they kept the handbrake on, they kept the handbrake on, and we were, and we were down two 0 after about fifty minutes. And Roxburgh just said, "Right, okay, go for them." We battled them. We mm. absolutely battered the living daylights. We never scored. We had the post, but done everything. Sometimes it's just it is. It's the handbrake off, and you just bump forward. And it's a lovely feeling. Mm. Yeah, the other team don't like it. I mean, Forest, to be fair. I mean, they can't even find a centre-back for loving their money, so it's kind of hard for them. But um, whatever happens, be it West Ham, Leeds, Everton, it's going to be a point. It's going to be a point or two at the end of the season. Then mm. Everton are not going to be flying out of it, even though they've got Sean Dice there. And if it is a point that saves them at the end of the season, they'll, they'll grab it with both hands. They're perfectly capable. They've not, um, they're, they're not getting expectations about that. What will be interesting, if they do stay up, what happens next season? Um, yeah. So... They, they need somebody, I mean, they need just a bit more creativity. We're talking about creativity, by the way. We're talking about the great footballers we've seen just now. I'm sorry being a bit Scottish here, right? So I watched the Bruyne and, you know, you love that. And, you know, I love David Silva and these creative players. I've decided I think Finn Russell might be my favourite. Ah, <laughs> <sick. laughs> 
What is he like? Why did they take up rugby? Yeah. He could have played football, he'd be Scotland's best football by a million miles. It's Honestly, God, you've never seen... I, I, I don't know, I've never, I don't watch as much rugby as a lot of other people. Yeah. But seriously, come on, mate, you're in the wrong game. You should be playing somewhere you should be using that. Yeah, too, far too skillful for rugby. Oh, staggering, man. Oh, it's, it's, and I, I don't think it's Scottish bias. I just think that guy's now, it's a phenomenon. Hmm. Yeah, I did, he's, he's worth watching a game alone, to be fair, regardless of the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, he'll do something stupid every now and then and cost you the game, but... Yeah, and yeah but the you know, he's getting his numbers better now. And there's a, there's a freeze-frame picture, which some of you may have seen, with his last try, and he is down diving, two people take him, and his arms behind him, flicking the ball out yeah. <laughs> to a perfect pass while looking over. And it's just, yeah, that's him. Yeah. It seems, no seems to have navigated a career quite well without like doing a weight or a sit up as well. You know, I mean, it's all uh, it's all very impressive. It's just extraordinary. It's just, uh, uh, just and there's, there's been a couple over the years. Uh, Rutherford was one as well, but uh, in Scotland, but fun wrong game. Mate. No, I listen. I, I I agree on it. Like even the Lions tour, he came on and, and almost saved the tour single handedly. Uh, Murrayfield in two weeks, we'll know all about it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> that was the build up. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate it. See you soon. See you. Pat Nevin with us on uh, this Monday evening. Our football show coverage, as ever, is with thanks to Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games, every weekend, live on Sky. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. This is News Talk.